Made for more living. One small step for man. With Johnny Jennings. Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. The fastest and most exciting hour of news, events, and real estate in Northern California. And this is a fact that was proved. Powered by EXP Realty. Online at madeformoreliving.com. Does everybody know what time it is? Get ready. Here we go. Chocolate chip pancakes. That's what we're talking about today on the show. My name is Johnny Jennings. I promise this has something to do with real estate. And we have a special guest with us as well. Her name, well, before I tell you her name, she's my ex-girlfriend. <laughs> she's still draining the wallet. Wow. Can you believe okay. you just said that? Who actually drains the wallet more in your family? Valerie. He does for sure. Just for clarification, it's Valerie. She's my wife, lovely wife. We have two, well, one kid and one kid on the way. And we are going to be talking. I want to tell a little quick story, and it has to do with chocolate chip pancakes. I love on the weekends waking up and making my kids chocolate chip pancakes. Oh, my gosh. Put a little bit of vanilla in them and cinnamon. Ooh, yeah, my kids level. love them. That's right. You got it. And sometimes I'll put them into shapes like Mickey Mouse or something like that. Love Aww. it. Well, that's kind of that's what, so what happens. So the chocolate chip pancake story. I woke up. I'd, Valor and I work a lot, and so we don't always get to see Jack. Jack's our two-year-old, as much as we would hope to, and as often as he would like to see us. And so I woke up. It was Saturday morning. I was going to be spending the morning with him. We were going to have chocolate chip pancakes, and you know, in, in this industry, it can be busy. And we got a call at seven forty-five in the morning. Like I had just woken him up. Like just gotten him out of bed. The coffee was brewing. Valerie's <laughs> making the pancakes. Like we are ready to go. We were having a chocolate chip pancake Saturday. And the phone rings. Answer the phone, and it's a neighbor um, from one of the listings we have. And they called the number on the for sale sign, and they said the lights were on in the house. And you know, you probably think, okay, Johnny, people live in homes. What's what's the big deal? Well, this particular home happened to be vacant, so the lights are not supposed to be on. And what happened was, is so I'm hoping somebody just left, like another agent just left the lights on. Sure, right? somebody did a showing and they left the closet light on or the hallway light on. Simple as that. But in the off case that somebody's in the home that's not supposed to be, uh, we put chocolate chip pancakes on hold, and I hop in the car, and I head to, to, the, to the home. And while I'm driving there, I call, I call a buddy agent just in case there's somebody there. He shows up, and we, we, we show up at the property, and there's a homeless lady in the garage. And the garage is detached, and I'm thinking, okay, this is weird. Why is there a homeless lady in the garage, and why are the lights on in the house? Like, what's, I'm still trying to put the pieces together. So we start talking with her and we come to find out that she was kicked out of this home, kicked out of the home, which is kind of ironic because she's not even supposed to be in the home in the first place. Like a foreclosure or what do you mean kicked out of the home? So her, <laughs> her druggy boyfriend who she, they broke into this house together, they, he had kicked her out of the home that he wasn't, that they, neither of them were supposed to be in. Oh, wow. Interesting. And so she was in the garage and hanging out there with her purse and a scooter, you know? And, um... So like trying to figure out what's going on, call the cops. So I'm, wait a second, back up, because this is super interesting. What did she say when she saw you? Like, oh, good morning. She was like, she was like, I need you to let me back into my house. Oh, interesting. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> You're like, that's not your house. <laughs> this isn't your house, darling. And so um, call the cops. And so this is honestly a shout out to the, to the Sacramento PD. They were there like 15 minutes, mm -hmm. very, very quick, showed up. Um, two officers, male and female, very professional, very nice. Like there's a lot of, you know, press around around the cops these days. And I just wanted to make sure that, you know, this was a very positive interaction. So they're talking with respect and kindness to the, to the homeless lady. Then she's telling us about how her boyfriend's in the house. So they go up. To, so we unlock the house. The cops go in there and they can't find anybody. And so once they've cleared the home, they allow myself and my other real estate friend to come in and and, you know, assess the situation and it, what blew us away because mind you this woman just has a scooter like it's not like and she's homeless the 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 cops knew who she was they'd seen her she and before down by the river and there was so much stuff in the house but not not junk like good like quality like new pots and pans new plates new towels new bath mats a refrigerator full of food and i'm thinking how did all this happen in like just like 24 maybe 48 hours how did Mm -hmm. This woman on her scooter get all this stuff in here. And around that time, a car pulls up into the driveway. 
and they come whipping in, and these two two women pop out, and come to find out it's the homeless woman's mother and sister. Okay. And the police are still there. The, at the police time? are still there, okay. and they're handling the situation. And I'm standing back, and I just get the I get to observe what's going on. And as I'm watching, I'm like, what's going on? I'm trying to put these pieces together. Like, there's all this food. There's all this new stuff. They're saying that this is her house. And she's kind of avoiding, the homeless woman is avoiding everybody else's, especially the two people who just pulled up. They're, they're, she's, she's not looking at them. And the, at that moment, it dawned on me, oh my gosh, I know what's going on. She, that's her mom and her sister who just pulled up in the car. And they're the ones who bought the pots and the pans and the, and the, and the plates and the bath towels. Oh, she had told them that that was her house. That she mm-hmm. had, that she was finally getting clean. Oh, wow. And that she had moved and she was That's putting sad. her life back mm-hmm. together. Yeah. And so, um, thankfully, you know, the, 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 the law enforcement was there. They were super helpful. We're taking everything out of the house and um, loading it up in the car so it's not getting ruined. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody's being very, very respectful. But it just, and then it just dawned on me, like, how crazy this this real estate industry is and, and how how many people are like going through hard times and just the, the, the biggest takeaway though was how much people need, like they, they need help. They need help. And so whether it's, it's buying a home or it's getting clean or it's, you just need, you need quality people around you. Like you, your tribe really determines who the outcome of your life. And so I was so thankful that, you know, that we had the cops and everybody there. And, and um, so after they left, I met with the homeowners and, you know, we put a game plan on how to get everything cleaned up and ready to go. The house was still in great condition because mm-hmm. she was treating it like her own home. It was, sure. it was very well maintained. And, um, and that was my morning. And so I didn't get to have chocolate chip pancakes. Oh. Didn't get to have chocolate chip pancakes with Jack. But as Valerie always likes to point out, Johnny, there's a silver lining to every situation. And the silver lining is that I had a listing or I have, I, we have, we have listings. We've, we've taken many listings since then. Um, we, we picked up an additional six or seven that week. And we have business and that we're able to provide for our families and provide for our team. And, and our team opened up four escrows later that week. And so the silver lining is you work in this industry long enough, you're going to come across rough situations every now and then, but at least we're, we're succeeding because life's hard, whether, whether you're a real estate agent, whether you're in law enforcement, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a, a mom, whatever it is, life's hard. And so we get to choose our hard. And our heart right. was that day I had to forego chocolate chip pancakes. But the good news is the 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 homeowner's home has been restored. Everything's great with that. And the the woman's getting some help. So, so you didn't necessarily go over that when you were getting your real estate license. If nope. you run into this nope. situation, here's the procedures and what you should do. That's no. something you got to learn on the job, right? Yeah, that's oh, all yeah. the on the job training. And it's. It's, you know, there's a thousand stories like that. You know, they're all a little bit different. I'm, I'm, one of these days I'll probably put together a book, but the, the, the biggest takeaway if you're listening to this is just like, man, it is a, it is a tough job out there being a real estate agent and people see somebody roll up in a nice car and think they have it made. Mm. But the average realtor, man, they only making like 50,000, um, $55,000 a year is the national average. And so what you see is sometimes not reality. When you come into somebody's home, what you see is sometimes not reality, right? Right. And so it's just it's just having empathy and being and it's tough, you know. Most realtors are working weekends, like you said. Sometimes they don't get to spend as much time as they want with their family because sometimes they're doing evening showings, right? And so it's almost like a twenty four seven job. You're on call all the time in case you get a call from a client yep. and they want to do this and you want to do that. So and there's a lot of pressure because you don't make money until you sell a house or or help someone buy a house. Right. Yep. And so there's that added pressure, you know, so you're right. A lot of realtors get a bad rap when they, when they come across someone and everyone doesn't realize that it is a tough job. It is a tough job, but you know what goes back to the tribe thing. We'll talk about this, this a little bit more, but essentially you need, you need good people around. You need help when uh, you have contract questions. You need help when you have vendors suggest like, problems. Like I can't get this vendor out here. How do I get somebody out here to solve this problem? Because when somebody's buying or selling a house, Valerie, you can speak to this. Like mm-hmm. that is stressful. Like they equate it to like deaths in the family going through divorce and making a move is, is some of the stress, more stressful things a person will go through in life. And so for me, it's just another 
just another Wednesday or just another Saturday. <laughs> for, right. For them, it's a, it's a huge deal. And so, um, anyways, chocolate chip pancakes. So, next time you see, next time you see. I'm a, curious, who deals better with situations like that? Do situations like that stress you out more or, Valerie, do situations like that stress you out? A homeless person squatting in a listing. <laughs> <laughs> um, How would you have responded in a situation like that? Probably a, a, a bit more stressed out. Yeah. yeah. I did send Johnny. I was like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I'm also pregnant, though. <laughs> right. True. <laughs> so uh, uh, what I'll say is that Valerie tends to deal better with, with customers, mm-hmm. like walking them through, like empathizing with them in the situation. Mm-hmm. I tend to deal better with like... Um, logistical contract like those types of things um but valerie's very like i don't know she's 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 lovely so it's cool yeah a lot of people think wow i don't know how i would do working with my wife wife side Mm -hmm. by side but you guys love it and you're doing great right well i will say when it's (laughs) yeah i don't like a response that says well well uh, i don't know gorgeous how would you describe it well a lot of people ask us this question and in all honesty you know, we started working together right out of, I'd just gotten out of college, so I don't really know any different, mm-hmm. just to preface it that way. Sure. Um, but, you know, I think it does take time for people to figure out their groove together. You know, like, how do we be husband and wife and business partners mm-hmm. at the same time? So, you know, if it's like the first year or two is rough, I always tell people, like, give it time. You know, you just have to figure out your, you know, your role, yeah. whose, whose role is is what. Yeah, we were talking about that a little bit, like who pays the bills. And you and I looked at each other like we each said the other person did, right? Mm-hmm. But but I tend to pay more business stuff and you mm-hmm. tend to pay more of like personal life, right? Right, yeah. Like utilities, groceries, things like that. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yep. And Hal, here you are doing your own show together. And now here we are doing mm-hmm. a show together. So to answer your question, when it's great, there's nothing better. But when um, when business is rough and, and mm-hmm. you know, stress is high, it's pretty bad. Yeah. Well... We're excited. It's going to be a good show. What are we talking about next? So next, we're going to be talking about the value of your tribe and what that does and how that improves not only your quality of your experience when buying or selling a home, but also your career as a real estate agent. All right. Awesome. He's Johnny Jennings, Valerie Jennings. This is the Made for More Living Show. Stick around. All right. So maybe you're listening to our conversation today and it's stirring some thoughts of you possibly selling your home. But you're thinking, man, I've got these home improvement projects that have to be done before my home is ready to be put on the market. Here's some good news. Johnny Jennings, the host of this show and his team over at the Tom Dave's real estate team, they have this program to help you get those home improvement projects done, even if you don't have the time or the money. So all you got to do is go to tomdaves.com, type in your address, and bam, you'll get all that information. Tom, D-A-V-E-S.com, or you can call 855-TOM-DAVES. This is Made for More Living with Johnny Jennings, powered by EXP Realty, online at madeformoreliving.com. We are going to talk about your tribe. So I'm not talking about, you know, Native Americans or anything like that, but what we are talking about is an ancient African proverb. It goes, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Oh, I like that. That's interesting. Because there's so much wisdom and truth in that. Because you're right. If you want to go fast, sometimes you got to do it alone. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're in control and you're making the decisions. But if you want, but but you can only go so far doing that way. Yep, you'll Mm -hmm. burn up. That's great. I love that. But if you want to go the distance, right, you want to reach the finish line, you need some people around you to help you do that. I love that. That's the first time I've ever heard that. Yep, old African proverb. And um, I didn't know you were from Africa. Well, I think you go back. We go far back in the tree. I think you can. We, we all probably, we all, probably. We all originate there, but exactly. Um, so, what that has to do with with real estate and um, just being being involved in this industry is just the value of who you are, who you, who you are, and who you are around. So, if you're if you're a level ten human being, but you're surrounded by a bunch of level sevens, well, guess what? They're going to pull you down to your level. If you're a level eight and you're around a bunch of level tens, they're going to pull you up to level nine. And so, that's why I hang around you. I was going to say the same thing about you. <laughs> Hashtag bro, bro man. And then that's why we both upgraded when we got married, right? Oh we married gosh. tens. Yep. And here we are a bunch of fours, right? Yep. yep. <laughs> I'm still a four. Even though I'm married to ten, I'm still a four. Right. I'm working on being a five. 
Yeah, so speaking of that, we have on the show my lovely wife, Miss Valerie Jennings. She's also a real estate broker with the Made For More team. So, sweetheart, wanted to talk really quickly about on-demand brokers and what that means, at least as far as it goes with mm-hmm. us and our real estate uh, team. And you are the go-to person, so you're the on-demand broker. And when when somebody, if it's a client and they have a they have a question, sometimes you know just your your agent doesn't know the answer to it. They have to go to a broker. They have to go to to Queen Valerie. What is what are the type of questions you're typically fielding, and how how does all that work? Well, I mean, it just it's from anything as basic as you know, do I check this box on the offer that I'm writing or you know, how does, how does the escrow process work and what are the next steps? You know, questions like that to more complicated, you know, how do I do two transactions at once? My client wants to sell their home and buy another home at the same time. Um, you know, much more complex things that we encounter throughout the escrow process. Um, but basically how that works for our agents is they call or text me up and say, Hey, I have this question. You know, my client's asking me X, Y, or Z. How do I answer them? What's the correct response? And then I'll walk them through like the logistics of how to have that conversation. So you're even empowered with the words to say to make sure that you tell your client in a manner that they're going to understand it as well. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Convey the message. And if you're thinking of this and you think, oh, my my agent, my agent doesn't need a broker. My agent has everything figured out. Tell you what, we learn something new Mm -hmm. every single day, closed thousands of transactions together and still learning new things all the time. The, Mm -hmm. The industry is rapidly evolving and changing. And when it comes to, and here's an interesting fact, about 90% of real estate agents don't sell a home a month. Mm-hmm. Don't sell a home a month. Don't do not Correct. sell a home On a month. On average, what do they usually do? Less than that. <laughs> okay. Less than that, like half a home a month. Yeah, so that leaves- it's about only, six homes a year or so. Mm-hmm. That leaves about 10% of the agents doing 90% of the business. And so that's why it's so important when you're working with a realtor that that either if they're newer to the industry, that they have a value or they have somebody like that backing them up because there are so many things that come up in a real estate transaction. And it's it's we cannot we cannot put a dollar value on it. And the value, the, again, the value to the client is, hey, I am being taken care of. This isn't just a regular realtor. This is a broker. Like every transaction that we do is backed by a broker. All of our agents are constantly calling Valerie and reaching out to her and back and, and getting the backing and support of a broker, a real estate broker. Yeah, and even some of the very successful realtors that I've talked with or that I know personally, they have someone like that on call, ready, on the cell phone. Let me ask Becky. Let me ask Valerie. Call them up. And that's why one of the reasons why they're successful is they ha- they don't have all the answers, but you know what? They have someone ready on the cell phone that has all of those answers, and that's one of the keys to their success. Absolutely. And um, again, it goes back to that tribe mentality. So Valerie, there's a, there's an agent on our team who we're trying to, you know, we won't say names, we won't do any of that, but who um, was writing an offer and how many, and there, I think there was what, seven different offers on this, on the similar home. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And with Valerie's help, he was able to get his offer accepted. Mm-hmm. Right. And that would not, I guarantee that would not have happened if you didn't have somebody like Valerie backing you up and giving you the verbiage, the stuff to put in the contract. And it doesn't mean you have to pay the most amount of money. No, nope. It has a lot to do with the terms and has a lot to do with that agent's relationship with the buyer and mm-hmm. the agent's relationship with the listing agent. Right. Those two, because mm-hmm. again, only 10% of the agents are doing 90% of the business. Valerie runs into the same agents over and over and over again. And so she's able to leverage her emo- relationship. Uh, relational capital mm-hmm. to getting deals done. So Valerie, how would you have, how did you help uh, that realtor in a situation like that? Well, Where just, does your expertise and help come in? Yeah. Just giving other, like Johnny said, it's not always about the money, but giving other non-monetary ways to make your offer look better. You know, some agent that maybe hasn't written as many offers, sometimes they don't understand really what looks appealing to a seller, right. Or been on the other side, you know, what as me who represents a lot of sellers, what do my clients look for in the offers that they're receiving on their homes? Like fast timeframes, you know, that has nothing to do with money. We're just, you know, we're willing to show up and hustle and get it done quickly, you know, making sure that the agent knows that mm. on the other side. And it has a lot to do with knowing what questions to ask the listing agent. Yep. Mm-hmm. So like, what is, what is your client looking for? What's most important to your client? Mm-hmm. Are they more open to this or, or more open to that? Do they want this? Mm-hmm. And just knowing the questions to ask, 
really like communication is key, right? In any, in any relationship, especially in a business relationship like this, like knowing the right questions to ask can really go a long ways in getting your offer accepted mm-hmm. in a multi-offer situation. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so speaking of getting the offers accepted, with the same example, the offer is accepted, everybody's happy, boom, we beat out seven other buyers, now we're in escrow, and the lender threw a curveball, mm-hmm. right? And they're like, okay, you need to, even though this is a conventional loan, we are requiring this inspection to be done, which isn't mm-hmm. typical for this loan. And so what happened there, Val? Yeah, so again, I based on my experience, I'm like, okay, call the lender, have a conversation, what exactly specifically do we need? Okay, now my next step is to go problem solve. So I call up a vendor that we have a really great relationship with, and I'm like, hey, this is this is the problem. We need it done ASAP because we're in the middle of escrow. We're supposed to close in a week and a half, and what can you do to help? Like, we need this, this issue resolved for our clients, for the seller on the other side and our buyer as well. And she's like, I'm on it. We got it handled today. Um, you know, and it's just, it's all about knowing who you can reach out to and who that will solve that problem. And that goes back to the relationships that you were talking about, Johnny, like this is somebody that we've known for years. We know we can count on them and their company and, you know, just to get the job done for our, our people. Mm -hmm. And so, so many people focus on the money, like, Mm -hmm. Hey, what are the commissions? How much is this going to cost me? They they focus on, on the dollar symbol, but the real value Mm-hmm. is in those relationships with the brokers, with the vendors, because not everybody can get a vendor out there like how we did next next day yeah. right, and get it resolved that quickly. Right. And and while that didn't cost anybody any money, it sure saved them a whole lot of money. Mm-hmm. And and it's just it's just hard to put to to quantify something like that. Right. But that's that's the value in having a val- on-demand broker and on-demand vendors. And looking at Valerie and what she did, she hustled. So even when you have certain people on your tribe or in your group, you got to have people that are quality, right? Like you yeah. said, people that are a 10, that are willing to hustle and make those phone calls and go out there the same day and do those kind of things. And that's what Valerie does, you know, and that's why it make that's why she's a benefit in situations like that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. The most important, the, the biggest killer of deals, generally speaking, is time. The longer mm-hmm. it takes to find a solution, the longer it takes for your agent to get back to you, the longer it takes for you to hear back from a vendor, that that deal is dying. That transaction is dying. And so the faster you can get that is that situation resolved, the more likely you are to come to a favorable outcome. So mm-hmm. so it's very important not to only have quality, but people who, like you mentioned, Matt, who are willing to work hard and work fast for you. Yeah. And yeah, Valerie's that in spades. Well, not only just me, but, you know, all the, the agents that work with us on our team, like they're yeah. spectacular human beings and, you know, their clients are lucky to work with them as well because they're in the same boat. Like they're, they're hustling, they're out there making it happen. They're like, what do I do next to make sure that my client gets into this home? And, um, yeah, just, we feel lucky to have all of them in our, tri- in our tribe too. <laughs> Absolutely. We're lucky to have them yeah. in our tribe and we're mm-hmm. very selective on who we bring on, mm-hmm. like who we're willing to associate with. If you typically, if you fog a mirror, you can get a job as a real estate agent. But if you fog a mirror, that doesn't mean you're joining the made for more team. Mm-hmm. Wait a second. I'm confused. Explain that again. If you have a pulse, if you have a pulse, fog a mirror, fog a mirror. Oh, gosh. Gotcha. Breathing. Johnny and his funny you have phrases. To have more than that. Yes. <laughs> right. Is that an yes. old African tri- uh, tribal <laughs> proverb. proverb as well? No, that's a Kalingaism. <laughs> okay. Oh, my cool. gosh. That's so, awesome. But yeah. So, I don't know. Whenever I think of a fog mirror, I think of some kind of serial killer in a bathroom. Oh, oh gosh. I didn't know. So I didn't know where you were going with that. But now it makes sense. That's, I a, hear di- you. that's a different story. Right. That's a different story. Yeah. <laughs> We've got a whole nother realtor <laughs> testimony about that one. Oh, dear. Yeah. But hey, uh, hang in there. We're going to be coming back in just a second. And when we do, we will be talking about why buyers lose out. When in a multi-offer situation, what's the number one reason why buyers lose and what you can do about it? Thanks for listening to the Made for More Living podcast. All right, let's be honest today. The economy is not in great shape, and many of you are struggling financially, and you feel like, hey, if I could sell my home, I'd be in a better position financially. Well, Johnny Jennings can help with that. He can make the process smooth, and he can get it done fast. All you have to do is go to TomDaves.com, because Johnny Jennings is part of the Tom Daves real estate team. Go to TomDaves.com, type in your address, bam, right away you find out what kind of offers you would get, and how much you would get if you wanted a cash offer today, no matter what kind of condition your home is 
is in. The website, again, is TomDaves.com or call Johnny Jennings at 855-TOM-DAVES. This is Made for More Living with Johnny Jennings, powered by EXP Realty, online at madeformoreliving.com. These five letters make all the difference in a real estate transaction. Hello, my name is Johnny Jennings. I am the host of the Made for More Living podcast, and we have Valerie Jennings with us as well, who's also a real estate broker. Say hello, Val. Hello. So those five letters, what are those five all-important letters? Trust. T-R-U-S-T. That is what makes or breaks a real estate transaction. Um, for example, Valerie, when we were, um, we were working with some friends and mm-hmm. they were wanting to sell their home and then buy another home, and, but they, needed, they, they were worried that they were going to be homeless, right? Yeah, which I mean is very, very common. Everybody's in the same boat when they're selling home and they yeah. want to either downsize or upsize or change their house location or whatever the case is, right? You know, Unless you're dead. Unless it's a trust thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> Every seller is like, well, where am I going to go? I'm yeah. not going to put my house up on the market until I find another house, right? And that's very logical. I understand that. Um, you know, but it comes back to what we were talking about trust. There's all kinds of ways that we can protect you when you're putting your house up on the market um, to make sure that you're not in that homeless situation, <laughs> right? Yeah. That's not our goal. But if you don't trust the real estate agent, mm-hmm. then then it's really like, why are you, why are you working with that person? Like why, if you, if you trust them enough to begin the process with them, why do you not trust them enough to listen to them? So Mm -hmm. in this specific situation, what they, with the, they were not trusting us, right? Or to Mm -hmm. you, they were your clients. They were not trusting you. How many offers did they put in on homes? Probably about six or seven homes that we wrote, you know, contingent upon them selling the house that they already owned, but they did not have it on the market yet. So these contingent offers were just, falling flat on their face. The sellers of those homes were like, well, no, why would I accept your offer when your house isn't even listed? So now I have to wait for you to put it on the market, mm-hmm. find a buyer, negotiate, get all the way through escrow. And, you know, who knows, that may take two or three months down the line. And I'm not willing to wait that long, right? Mm-hmm. Especially in, mm-hmm. in today's market. And so they missed out on six or seven homes. Mm-hmm. So that's another way to phrase it. Like we wrote six or seven contracts. That's the real estate agent's perspective. But from mm-hmm. that buyer's perspective, they missed out on six or seven homes, six or seven homes that they loved, that they could see themselves moving into, that they could see spending mm-hmm. years there, right? In the next seven to 10 to 20 years of their life in this place. And they missed out seven different times. Mm-hmm. Valerie, what happened though, when they, when they decided to trust you mm-hmm. and put their home on the market? Yeah, then, I mean, everything changed. So once the house was listed, the sellers of the homes that we were submitting offers on, they could see, oh, that is a beautiful home. You know, they did upgrade it with all the sparkling pool and look at all the showings that they've been getting on Zillow. You know, they're looking at these things where they can actually, you know, it's a it's a tangible experience for the seller now. They're like, okay, yeah, I do feel comfortable moving forward with your offer, knowing what a great house you have and the fact that it will it will likely be in escrow here shortly. Sure enough, it did go pending. We got their offer accepted, first one out the gate after we put their house on the market. So, right. So they so they were unsuccessful, mm-hmm. let's say seven times. And eighth then time the was eighth the time they, they got in, in contract. <laughs> mm-hmm. See, isn't, yeah. that, isn't that incredible what trust will do, though? Yeah. yeah. Like in, in a real estate transaction. Now compare that to another another person we were helping with. We can never get past that trust hurdle. Like mm-hmm. even though even though we worked with them, we helped them get pre-approved. We showed mm-hmm. them countless homes. I think you were working with this individual for what was it like a All, year? Yeah, almost a year. I you know maybe nine or ten months, something like that. You know, it was definitely enough to get through a whole summer buying season and then some. Um, and you know, unfortunately, this buyer that I was working with just never really got over that hurdle of you know not asking for advice from other places and not trying to make their own decisions based on whatever they Googled about certain things. And That's a really good point. So we run into mm-hmm. that a lot because you throw a, a rock, you yeah. hit five real estate agents, mm-hmm. you know, and so there's potentially mm-hmm. five different people speaking into this person's life and giving them what they would do if they were in their situation or how mm-hmm. they would handle things differently. And if you are listening to five different conflicting you know, stories or perspectives, it's mm-hmm. really hard to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Like, What's the right decision for you? But so this person was getting information from other mm-hmm. sources and not trusting the person who he was actually right. working with. Is that what you're right. saying? Right. You know, and it happens all the time, you know, with somebody's 
parents. You know, obviously I'm not saying oh. don't, don't trust your parents, <laughs> dads. but like, you know, gotta love dads. the dads or the uncles, you know, or like they bought a house once 10 or 15 years ago. And then once more 10 years before that. So they've bought two homes in their house, you know, and, in their life, and yeah. right. Yeah. And this is the person that they're looking to for advice, which, you know, no offense. I'm sure it's great advice, but I sell two homes a week sometimes, you know, it's like this, you know, would you rather take advice from somebody who does this once a decade you know, or, you know, but it is what it is. So people are going to look for advice in other places. And, you know, unfortunately the real estate agent is, is the one that you need to default back on and, and to put your trust in that person. But it really goes back to trust. Like you trust your dad. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we mm-hmm. joke all the time. Dads are deal killers because dad will come <laughs> in with his tape measure and a screwdriver and a flashlight on inspection day. <laughs> and it's like, oh no, here we go. <laughs> Nothing's going to be good enough for his little princess. Oh, this, is a, this is a new build, man. Come on. This is like, it's a new home. Right. But nope, it's not, it's never, it's never good enough. And so, but the, the daughter has her dad there or the family mm-hmm. has their, their relative there mm-hmm. because of that trust. Right. And right. so if you're working with a real estate agent, well, let's finish it up with that. With that other well, fellow. yeah. Yeah. F- putting a bow on that story, you know, this was, you know, this was back in 2019. And I don't know if you've been following home prices since then, but prices have definitely gone up. And, you know, unfortunately, that particular buyer is now feeling upset about being priced out of the market. And, you know, look at I could have had one hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of appreciation in those homes if I had just listened to my agent and gotten my offer accepted on one of these homes back in 2019. Um, so, you know, potentially leaving a lot of money on the table too, with just not making it happen. Not all stories have a happy ending in real estate. Oh yeah. Very true. Yeah. It's not, it's not a Disney world. (laughs) No. And so, but it really comes down to trusting your real estate agent. If you don't trust that agent. So there's a guy who I, um, who's a, who's a coach and mentor of mine. I try to have one coach per aspect of life. So Mm -hmm. if it's like, if it has to do with family and counseling, like there's one, there's one group that I go to, like it's a husband and wife. They have experience in what they're talking about. They've lived it. They've been married, like, I think 50-ish years now. Mm-hmm. They've, they've raised kids. Like, they, they, they have that family thing locked in. I listen to them mm-hmm. more than I listen to our parents, more than I listen to friends and family. Because what happens is I start getting conflicting information. Then what do I... And then I start making my own decisions and making a... Like, modifying... The good advice, I start distorting it into something that is more palatable to me, something that I, that I can that I can deal with. Same thing with health. Like there's just one group I go to when I when it comes to health. When it comes to um, real estate, like are you getting advice from somebody who maybe should only be speaking about health, or should maybe only mm. speaking about family, mm. or are you getting real estate advice from somebody who knows all about real estate? And so if you if you're finding yourself not being successful in your home buying or your home selling journey, I would I would encourage you just to take a step back. I have two questions. Yeah, go ahead, Matt. What? And it's probably the same answer for both questions. If I am searching for a realtor, mm. someone to represent me in purchasing my home or selling my home, what are the characteristics that I should look for in someone that I can trust? Mm. And on the other side, if I'm a realtor, how do I build trust with my new client? Yeah, mm-hmm. good questions. So, Val, do you have any input you want to share? I mean, I the first place you could start is just reviews, like a track record of success, right? You know, somebody who has not only other clients that they've worked with that really enjoyed working with them, but also, you know, years of experience or, you know, a team to back them up with lots of sales under their belt, you know, not somebody who you know, it's just kind of floating out there and has done one deal in the past. They may not, you know, be the best person to work when with. When you're looking yeah. for realtors, it would be like interviewing for a mm-hmm. position. You're the employer, you're hiring somebody. So mm-hmm. when you're looking to hire a, a CPA or mm-hmm. an attorney or a doctor, right? You're, you're looking at what do the reviews say? If you're going out for dinner, for Pete's sake, you look at the reviews. Why would you not mm-hmm. look at the reviews of the real estate agent who you're, who you're going to be working with? Mm-hmm. Okay. So that that's that's the main thing. And then also just 
in that comp. So, so you, if you're a realtor yeah. and you're talking with a potential client, you would share with them, hey, here's how many homes I've sold. Here's how, here's how long I've been working in the industry. Here's the markets I've worked in. Here's some reviews from people I've worked with in the last six months. So kind of share that information so that they can understand. Because I don't know if all realtors do that. You know, it's like, no. how did you find me? Well, you know, thanks. And that's great. How about, you know, build that trust? Because, you know, down the road, they're going to have to trust you in those situations where you're writing those contracts and you want to build that trust. So mm-hmm. establish that from the get go. Hey, I know what I'm doing. Look at my track record. Look yep. at my resume. Look at how many satisfied customers I have. I know what I'm doing. So you're going to be happy with the results I get. Yeah. Yep. So if you're an agent, you want to have third party sources. So think. Trustpilot, think Yelp, think Google reviews, think Zillow reviews. Like you want third party uh, things that you can share with your clients that prove, hey, it's not just me. I didn't write up five reviews fictitiously and I'm sharing these with you. Like the client can go and see these independently of you. And then if you're a client, you want to be looking for those types of tells. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's one way that you can interview. The other way is just to ask them specific questions. So I work a lot with sellers and I'm always telling my, if my, my potential clients, hey, if you're interviewing other people, you need to be asking your, the other agents you're interviewing a few questions. Questions like, what's your average days on market? What's your average sales price to list price? If, what's the average sales price to list price in my neighborhood? What's the average days on market in my neighborhood? Like there are certain questions mm. you can ask. And if, you, if, the, if the agent starts fumbling or seems unsure, well, those are pretty basic questions. Mm-hmm. And if they can't handle that, then how are they going to handle negotiations? How are they going to handle marketing your property? And so just being armed with certain questions can also help. That's good. I like that. Yeah. yeah and this applies on when you're buying a home as well, too. You know, like we've been talking a lot about writing offers and it's really common to sit down at the living room, you know, or the kitchen table or wherever you're sitting with sellers and, and talk about your skill set and what I'm going to do for you and all that, you know, but it's as a buyer's, you know, as a buyer, you should also be interviewing your agent as well. Say, mm-hmm. hey, you know, what are you going to do for me to make sure that this happens in the time frame that I need it? Or, right. you know, what's your track record of success with getting buyers into homes? Yep. Like what I'm looking for. That's the biggest problem that we see with agents and mm-hmm. clients, like in terms of the trust factor, like trust has not been built because especially in the buyer situation, people haven't sat down and gone over, this is me, these are my qualifications, this is why I know what I'm going to do, this is our game plan, like what is it you're looking for in a home so I understand exactly what it is you're looking for, the locations, the price range, the amenities. So that way we're all on the same page. If you don't have that initial consult, that initial conversation, then you're failing and building, you're leaving that opportunity up to chance to build trust. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you, when you bake it into the system, when you bake it into the process, it really like, I cannot tell you how much of a game changer that is in terms of an experience for the agent and the client. So if you're working with somebody and you haven't had that initial consultation, say, Hey, you know what? I heard, I heard about this. Let's, let's, let's hit pause. Let's meet for coffee. Let's meet at the next home and just go over exactly what it is you provide your qualifications and let's go exactly over what I'm wanting in, a, in an agent. And if a new agent is listening right now and they need help establishing that kind of resume or profile online where people can look at reviews, you guys can help them with that, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we specialize in that. We have programs where we bring agents on. We take them tr- through an onboarding process where we teach them all about contracts, marketing, everything that we do. We like to say we provide agents their business in a box, but I'm going to start changing that. We, we, we provide agents with a fighter jet because mm-hmm. everybody business in a box. Okay. You think you can just pull things out of the box and use it. But if I were to give you Matt a fighter jet and said, here you go, go ahead and fly it whenever you want. This is your jet. You'd be like, how do I use this? Right. How do I even turn the thing on? How do right. I get in? Get it up off the ground. Yeah. I don't know how to use this. Thank you. But how do I use this? And so we provide, we provide our, our agents with, with this, the suite of tools that are very easy to use, but if you don't know how to use them and if you're not trained on, on the different techniques and tactics that we have, then, you know, it's just going to sit in the hangar. Mm-hmm. So anyways, so that is the number one reason why buyers lose out on their offers in, is trust. That's the one, number one reason why sellers leave money on the table is trust. How yeah. many times Val have we said, Hey, this is what the appraiser said the house is worth. Mm-hmm. This is what the comp show the house is worth. But the, but the, the sellers are like, mm, Thank you for your input, but we're going to list it for 10% more. 
All the time. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> yep. And here's, here's, here's a fact in today's reality is that you cannot, it's very literal, like literally you cannot underprice a home. Mm-hmm. It is virtually impossible. With the advent of the internet, with the marketing that at least we do on the Made For More team, you cannot underprice a home. We've literally priced homes at 50% of what their retail value is and we get them that value. You know, I think there's more to that topic. Let's discuss that a little bit more in the next top in the next segment. How you cannot underprice a home. Absolutely. Let's do that. You're listening to the Made for More Living Show with Johnny Jennings and Valerie Jennings. All right. So maybe you're listening to our conversation today and it's stirring some thoughts of you possibly selling your home, but you're thinking, man, I've got these home improvement projects that have to be done before my home is ready to be put on the market. Here's some good news. Johnny Jennings, the host of this show and his team over at the Tom Dave's real estate team, they have this program to help you get those home improvement projects done, even if you don't have the time or the money. So all you got to do is go to tomdaves.com, type in your address, and bam, you'll get all that information. TomDaves.com, or you can call 855-TOM-DAVES. This is Made for More Living with Johnny Jennings, powered by EXP Realty, online at madeformoreliving.com. Did you know that it is virtually, disclaimer there, virtually impossible to underprice a home? in today's market. Virtually. What do you mean by underprice a home? Let's clarify that. By the way, he's Johnny Jennings, his beautiful wife, Valerie Jennings, joining us on the show today. What do you mean by that? Clarify, you can never underprice a home. Underprice a home. Virtually. Virtually, yeah. Air quotes, (laughs) virtually. Underprice a home, meaning you price a home below market value to where it sells for less than market value. So a lot of people, when when they're selling a home, they're worried about leaving money on the table. They want to get top dollar. Understandably so. And so they'll overprice the home. They'll go, you know, five, 10, maybe even 15% above what the market is showing because they figure, hey, somebody's going to come in and negotiate a lower price. And so we want to have that cushion built in. And so they overprice the home. Virtually, I mean, com- compare that to pricing a home very competitively, maybe five, 10, 15% under market value. That is typically the smarter way to go because it creates this just energy around the home, a lot of interest in the home. Those are the homes where um, when you see an open house sign on a Saturday that there's a line outside the home around the corner. Those are those are homes that have been priced aggressively. But a lot of sellers are afraid to do that because, again, they're afraid they're going to leave money on the table. Well, it's the same what you know Black Friday used to be about back in the day when a store like Best Buy or Mervyn's used to have their doorbuster item. Like you can get a TV for $99 and it would draw a huge crowd. Obviously there, they were, when, once they entered the store, they were going to buy a lot more than that. Yep. But the store used that to draw attention, draw a crowd, draw customers. And that's kind of the same mentality is you're trying to price it in a way that's going to draw interest and attention because if it's overpriced, you got zero interest, you got zero offers. Yep. You can always say no to the offer if it's too low. Correct. Right. And so that's exactly the point. So what ends up happening is if you overprice the home, people, it's crickets. You don't, you don't hear anything. And then you start adjusting the price and then you do another price adjustment and another price adjustment. And now you've opened yourself up to this concept of, Hey, why has the home been on the market so long? Mm-hmm. Why have they done so many price adjustments? Like there's a, there, now there's a stigma to the home. So when you finally do get an offer, they're the only offer you've had in so many days. You're so excited. It's a little bit lower than what you wanted, but hey, you're willing to go with it. So you accept the offer. And then the request for repairs comes out. They do their investigations. They inspect the roof, the home, the, um, what's the other thing? Roof, pest. home, roof, home and pest. Yeah. The roof, home and pest inspections. And now they have all this information, all these reports. And they're like, hey, you know what? I know we came in a little bit low, but turns out we need some more money because there's all these things wrong with the home. And you're thinking, man. I didn't. I wasn't. But I didn't budget for this. The home is worth more than this. But this is the only offer we've had in so long. I might as well take this because this is better than nothing. And we really want to buy this other home and, and move on with our life. And so you end up selling the home for less than you would have if you would have priced it aggressively out the gate. And what it seems to me that most people get caught up in is they compare it to selling a car, right? So mm-hmm. like you put a car on Craigslist, you put a car um, on on the internet, and you're waiting to sell it. Well, there's, 
the the amount of exposure a car gets on like if you're selling it for sale by owner rather than just trading it in is way less than if you go with a quality real estate agent, right? Our team invests somewhere around half a million dollars a year in marketing. And so if you're investing half a million dollars a year in marketing, what is that? What, what type of exposure does that buy you as a home seller? And so that's why it's virtually impossible to underprice a home. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything to add to that? Well, yeah, I just, I think it is, it is a hard mind shift, uh, mindset shift for sellers because they, you know, they're like, well, why would I underprice my home? Like that, the, the fear is, the fear is legitimate. Is their home. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So just understanding that it's, it's not, you're not alone. You know, that's not a fear that, you know, you should feel irrational and having, um, but it is, you know, we're just telling you strategies that work that like actually achieve results in the market and it's not overpricing the home because then you only have one buyer to negotiate with. Mm -hmm. You know, if you price your home correctly or even a little bit under, you know, then you have multiple buyers that you're negotiating with and you have the control and the balls in your court as the seller. Oh my gosh. So, so for example, there's a home, um, I think this one was in Elk Grove, Mm -hmm. right? We, we priced it again. There's such a stigma when some, when a seller hears you say, hey, you priced the home low, you left money on the table, right? There's such a, mm-hmm. there's such, it's, it's because people are only selling a home every seven to 15 years, they, they, whereas we're selling homes every couple of days, okay? And so just keep in mind, this is, this is the right thing for the client. So we priced the home to sell. We did not leave any money on the table. We got multiple offers. What was it? The first weekend on the market. Yep. Mm-hmm. And now... That when the when the seller came at our or when the buyers came at our seller and said, "Hey, we've done all our inspections and this is what we found. We need to do a price. We we need some concessions." What did they come at us with? Like it was like seventeen grand, seventeen thousand yeah. dollars that they wanted our our seller to slash the price, and we're like, no. Um, "No, we have multiple. We have we have a signed backup offer. Like somebody's ready to go if you guys decide you're not interested." Mm-hmm. And um, and our seller said, hey, you know what? It's worth it to me. I'll, these things I do want to get resolved just, just to make sure that, that it's a good transaction. And so he concessed um, to about- A couple grand, yeah. Yeah, a few mm-hmm. grand. And so right there, by pricing your home aggressively, not only did you sell your home quickly, not only did you get top dollar, but you hedged against a $13,000, $15,000 loss, right? Mm. And so it's this is not theory. This is not this is we're not making this stuff up. We do this for a living. And what we're saying is from experience. Mm-hmm. And so if you're thinking about selling your home and your seller is saying, hey, let's start high and your agent saying, hey, let's start high. And if we need to come down, we can do that. You might want to consider getting a second opinion. Compare that to if your agent is saying, hey, this is our marketing plan. This is proven. This is we've sold so many houses. We have so many five star reviews our, like our method works you have to trust that agent. Like just mm-hmm. go out on a leap of faith and trust that agent. And at the end of the day, it's your house, your rules. Right. So if that offer comes in that you're like, Hey, this is not what, this is not good enough for my family. You don't have to accept it, but at least you have that offer coming in. Right. So by the way, change, change subject just a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. is your, Matt, is your Christmas stuff still up in your house? My Christmas stuff? Uh, well, my Christmas stuff is always, there's always something that's still up because we celebrate Christmas year round. My wife listens mm. to Christmas music on the 4th of July. She has this little Charlie Brown window decoration that has been up since before last Christmas, never taken it down. It's like year round window decor. We've got this little floor mat or a doormat in our front yard. Uh, so she just, she loves Christmas. So aside from that the Christmas lights are down the Christmas tree is down the wrapping paper has been put away and thrown away so we see some funny stuff in houses we see some funny stuff in houses mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but our Christmas so literally I was driving home the other day and uh, Valerie's in the car and she's like oh my gosh the neighbor still has the nutcracker in their front yard and I was like Valerie, we still have our Christmas wreath on the front door. Do you? Yeah, yeah. That, I, I forget because we never go There's in that door. wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, we have, and we you know, people Christmas either tree. look at that and think, man, those people are just lazy. What are they doing? Or they think, you know what? Good for them. God bless them. They just yeah. want to celebrate. They those must be fun people. Yeah, we're the we're the fun Christmas people. Unless your Christmas <laughs> decor is out in the front lawn and it's just been destroyed by the rain and the mm. storm and it's laying down, and you're like, come on, let's clean that up. COVID, people put their Christmas lights on. Remember that? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Because you couldn't to like cheer talk the mood to the, of the community. Yeah. 
like our communication with people. Yeah. Blink on and off your Christmas lights to let us know you're alive. (laughs) Something that we're seeing in homes too, that it's just, it's just funny to me that, so typically when we meet somebody, whether it's work or otherwise, regardless of the situation, they walk us through their home. Like I don't like, you don't have to walk a real estate agent through your home. Why not? You, you're certainly like, but they're like, like in a friend situation, like yeah. in a friend situation, they're like, they're like walking us through and I'm like, you don't have to show me your closet. Like we're, we're just hanging out. Let's watch the football game, right. you know, but in, in doing this is that, where my son learned to walk this is where my 10 son years ago. Walk. Hey, our, our room's a mess. I know, but, but, um, but just look past it. I know you guys can look past your real estate agents. They're, so they're just showing us stuff, but through all that, we see a lot of, um, a lot of funny things. Mm-hmm. Um, Val, what's, what's something that stands out to you? Well, one of the things that came up that we were talking about, you know, because it's like we we go into different houses separately. And so we're sharing stories. Right. And um, one of the things that we've found is really making, uh, you know, it's having a trending appearance in a lot of homes is not. It started with squatty potties. And now it seems like everyone's into bidets recently. Wait, squatty. What is a squatty potty? It's the the little thing that you said. I cannot wait for Valerie to describe. This. Is this something that's like part of the home? No, no, no. no. Oh, it's no, just, no, no. it's like a $10 thing you oh, can buy gotcha. on the internet. Yeah. Interesting. It's like a little stand or you put your feet up on it while you're going okay. to the bathroom. So, wow. But I remember when they were first coming out, it was like here and there, but now it's like it's a everywhere. lot of people, you know, so if you have a squatty potty, you're listening. Now I to know this. what to get you guys for Christmas. No. <laughs> we have a squatty potty. But like, yeah, they're but almost so like standard of, in houses yeah. now. And it's now so like, a lot of people are having bidets installed in their home upgrades. Yeah, on, yeah installed on their toilets and, you know, Those in every houses, room of the house. Is this the thing that cleans you after yes. you go to the bathroom? Yes. Yes. Okay. It scares me a little bit when I go into somebody else's house that has a bidet because like, I don't. I don't, I'm afraid to push the wrong button. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah. I do not know. Like, don't this, push this it. This is like a space toilet. And I don't would, know what to do. You would make a mess. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's funny. Anyway, just a lot Does of Does that stuff. create more value in the home? Do you put that on the listing? No. Like, has no. a bidet? Whoa, no. honey, put an offer in today. Let's do this. <laughs> put an offer in today. The house is has a bidet. Is this potty included in the home? Or are you guys saying that personal property. Right. No, oh, but, man. Personal pet peeve. And we learned this from our original broker, first broker ever was in the photos close the toilet lid like i yeah, do not know on. how many agents are keeping the toilet lid up like yeah. that is just so unprofessional not classy not classy <laughs> you know what is classy that's your african proverb for today yeah put african, the toilet lid put down, the toilet lid down. <laughs> um so thank you so much for listening to the made for more living podcast i am johnny jennings and my wife valerie jennings is here on the show and we look forward to hearing you or seeing you or talking to you. Or talking, talking to you. To you. <laughs> Next week. All the above. All the above. <laughs>